0: welcome to the latest edition of 100 the ed gordon podcast today a conversation with singer brian courtney wilson Since his debut album in 2009, the Chicago native has become one of gospel music's rising stars. The University of Illinois graduate is seen as a new leading voice on the music scene and has been compared to the likes of Donnie Hathaway and Marvin Gaye. His latest album, Transitions, is a live recording scheduled to be released later this month. I just want to say it's great to meet you. And I'm going to make a confession for years. I heard about you. I heard everybody talking about you, but I have, for some reason, I'm a huge music lover for whatever reason. I had not heard your music though. I'd heard everybody talking about you. Mm. And recently I said, let me check this cat out, man. You are cold-blooded. Let me say that up front. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That's kind of you to say. And I love stories like that. I love when stuff is revealed.
0: Yeah, you man, know? truly. So let's dive into it. Out of the Chicago area, singing in church as a kid, uh, I read something that you were singing in the men's choir as a kid with your dad. Talk to me yes, about uh, how music hit you. Was it something that was innate and uh, you know you always loved it? Tell me about the early part of music in your life.
1: Uh, first of all, let me say this. It's an honor to be here. I feel like I'm, when you say cold-blooded, I feel like I had to to honor you with the hand. Hit the brim, baby. So there you go. I'm going to cock it, too. I'm going to cock it. Love <laughs> Thank it. Thank you for having me, man. It's an honor to be here with you, Mr. Gordon. Uh, what I remember distinctly growing up in Chicago, you know, we had front porches that the stairs led up to the yeah. front. I remember growing up as a child, and those front porches for me were the stage, you know? And that's just how we played. I didn't have any aspirations of being a star or anything. That was just what I always remember doing. Uh, our male chorus there in town decided that they wanted to add some kids as, uh, for mentorship purposes. And so that's how I got introduced to the, to the male chorus. And I tell stories about how I did not like it. It required that we come in early on Saturday. Uh, it seemed like they just did a lot of talking. And Mm -hmm. so we could have been done earlier than than prescribed. What I learned later was that what they were doing as working class Black men in Chicago was not just singing songs, they were uh, fortifying their community, Mm -hmm. telling stories about what it takes to get over and reminding each other how they needed each other to do it. And so I'm glad that I was exposed to that and prayerfully it informs my music today.
0: So you go to because you talk about necessarily not having the dream early on as being a singer on the stage, a star, et cetera, et cetera. You go to the um, University of Illinois, graduate pharmaceutical sales. I know many in pharmaceuticals, and we should say the legal pharmaceutical sales, because yeah, a lot of yeah. people say that they mean something well, else.
1: That's all relative too, but yeah, true that, true that. that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, the, at least the government turned your head, sanctioned pharmaceutical sales, yeah. right? But um, I know a lot of folks in it, so that's that's traveling, decent money, the whole nine. So you could have made a career of that. Where, but you continue to sing. You know, you're just singing, I I'm imagine in churches, gigs, maybe around. What was it? What was the draw that says, you know, this is not for me. My calling is over here.
1: I'm going to call it a, it was a disease I had. I did, I w- I did not feel, uh, it was comfortable, but I wasn't comfortable. Mm-hmm. And i like to tell this story. There's a poet out of Chicago who was invited to a corporate meeting we had at in uh, Nashville his name is i I'll never forget it. He came and he was telling stories about freedom and telling stories about owning your destiny. And it was meant to inspire us as salespeople. But the way I was hearing it was, man, I have something pulling at me, a call pulling at me. And I do not want to miss the opportunity to realize it, to walk it out. And Every time I see Jay, I always try to tell him that he's like, oh yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. But he don't because he doesn't really understand how much it was hitting me. And uh, but that that was probably the, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And I had to take a step out. Thankfully I ran into people who uh gave me places to to plant, to yeah. plant for the harvest that I'm realizing now.
0: You find your way to Houston. One of those people that you run into along the way is is Beyonce's father, Matthew Knowles. But before we get into to that, I'm I'm curious. Uh in, in much of what I've read, uh, it says that you were born again. And that's an interesting phrase to me because it means different things to different people often. Yes, sir. Give me what it means to you and 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 what the metamorphosis, if any, was for you.
1: I love I love that question. I love that you're giving me a chance to answer it because it gives me a chance to, before we get to Matt, talk about the church and the role of the black church in this, I love that word, metamorphosis. I love that you're acknowledging that it means different things for different people. I think one of the the things that I, I wanna point to is how it reorients you to perspective and gives you an opportunity to see yourself differently as it relates to other people, as it relates to the systems that we're a part of, the ways that you can make money, the ways uh, you can contribute to society. Um, that's the shortest answer I could give for what born again means to me. And then how you walk it out really like a child, like it's kind of spoon fed to you what that means. And I mean that in the context of the Christian faith, the spoon fed to you. And after a while you got to kind of own it for yourself. Prayerfully, I'm at a place now where I'm mature enough to own it more for myself, what that has meant. Um, and I'm at a place now where I can look back over my life and see the people that helped me walk it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the churches that I w- was a part of. We just celebrated two people that were in ministry, have been in ministry for 30 years in Houston. Uh, Juanita and Rudy Rasmus. And Rudy was a person that invited me to the table to actually meet matt because beyonce grew up there in that church mm-hmm. and so there's no there's no matt without a rudy but there's no rudy then without um a pastor named kirby john Carwell that gave him an opportunity to plant the church that he planted there in houston downtown and then they saw the need to meet um to uh, minister to the homeless there that were sleep- sleeping on the steps of the church and that transformed their lives There's no Rudy without Juanita, who he meets, marries and decides to, uh, uh, he meets, he marries and decides to follow to church, even though he grew up Hmm. believing that church really wasn't Hmm. worth it. So there was a lot of uh, metamorphosis, if if you will, that were linked to people deciding to engage. and and facilitate their transitions, if you will.
0: So Matthew is one of the early people who see a talent in you. I've known him for many years. And, you know, he he prides himself with the idea of, and we certainly saw it with his daughter and the girls, you know, being able to kind of identify people who he believes not only are talented, because talent is really, and I don't mean this in a dismissive way, but talent is a dime a dozen In that they're just a whole lot of talented people out here who are blessed with a gift. It's not the gift. It's what you do with the gift that really makes you successful or not. And I think he identifies the person he believes will have the ability to carry that on. Let me let me do this, though. It was interesting how you showed the dominoes of the people that led to the next person as the next person. So let me ask you the question. I'm sure you've been asked a number of times, but I I always find it intriguing. Give me some of the influences musically that created your style, the person you are today.
1: I'm smiling uh, because I'm thinking about Donny Hathaway, how I was introduced to Donny Hathaway in college uh because I had a crush on a girl and she said I sounded like Donnie Hathaway <laughs> and I didn't really know who that was and so I mm-hmm. looked him up and the rest is history in terms of someone who um showed me something more beautiful than I had ever beheld before. Mm-hmm. And so that was probably one of the first models. Uh I had one of those record club uh deals. Where you pay a certain Back amount in the of money day. And yeah, see man. tapes in the mail, yeah. And one of the tapes I would get were the best of Marvin Gaye. And so, listening to Marvin Gaye's thing about distant lover, lover, as a boy, as a girl crazy boy in college, <laughs> <laughs> hit me a certain way, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember listening to Layla Hathaway, even in school, and getting introduced to that. I, I was in school at the time when we were transitioning to hip hop. And so, uh, when I look back on it, what I was, we were learning about being in your face with it, being real honest, you know, uh, giving voice to anger even. Uh, but also I remember it being a lot more fun too. hip hop then, Uh, not that it's not fun now, but it's different. It's different to me. Um, sadly, very different. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's probably another show, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll say this, though. Uh, then that's married to my church upbringing, where, you know, I, I'm thinking about the Winans and how they would come on on Sunday morning exclusively in Chicago. We I don't remember us having a gospel station. We had a R&B station that went gospel on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you would hear Shirley Caesar. You would hear the Clark sisters. You would hear the Winans. And to the point where you could almost take it for granted. And so now I'm in this industry and realize how much their voices raised me. You know? It's
0: remarkable because when I started listening to your music, I obviously hear echoes of of Donnie and Marvin, uh, but I also hear Marvin Winans. I grew up in Detroit with the Winans. I also hear Fred Hammond. You know, I yes. I hear little echoes here and I go, that's uh-huh. That's Marvin Williams. Yes, yes. Um, I asked this of many who I remember the first time I felt like, okay, you're kind of in the game now, Ed. You're off the bench when I met my heroes, right? So I mm-hmm. met an Ed Bradley. I met Brian Gumbel, I, and they knew who I was. You know? Yes. Talk to me about when you started meeting the people you heard on that radio on Sunday mornings in Chicago, and you knew now that not only have I met them, but I'm a peer? What is that like?
1: Thank you for thank you for the question. I remember when I entered the industry, one of the things I was most grateful for was the opportunity to meet some of these people and just say thank you. Just say thank you, you know? Uh, and one of the things I've learned to a man is the truth that you were alluding to earlier about talent. Um, and again, we shouldn't be dismissive of it. It's from the Lord. at least according to my faith. But the people that have made it, the people who have served as heroes, kept going. Mm -hmm. They did not quit. And at the end of the day, even they had to believe it more than anything. And there were deserts of loneliness that they had to walk through to get to a place where they could bear some fruit that someone like me could benefit from. And so that was the other thing that was like, very gratifying to me to see. So you're saying all I got to do is not quit. I got to keep going. Um, of course, you, be, you you develop skill sets that make you seem exceptional, but that comes with continuing to apply your trade and apply your craft and risk failure and not let failure keep you on the ground. You got to get back up again and try again. You got to reorient to your why. Why are you doing this? What, what is really motivating you? Is it fame, fortune, or is it something deep inside calling you? And I got the chance to see people up front who fought the good fight to hold on to their why and let it keep them going regardless of circumstances let
0: me ask you two things that i've asked others in your in your position and i'm curious to to your answers to it one of them is the idea of what is always asked of of people who start out in gospel you know the first person i remember hearing about and i'm sure it was you know long before him was the pull of the secular world to to sam cook right yes um i've had this discussion with a myriad of, of artists. And I remember Marvin Winans telling me, you know, his decision, because they were really pulling Marvin to stay in this lane. You have, you know, Kim Burrell. I mean, we can go down the list of people who record companies were saying, look, you need to go on this side. You'll make more money, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm curious for someone who has done, uh, and I thought your uh, cover of inner city blues was spectacular, man. Thank you. Um, Even though inner city blues had some of the tenants that you could quickly marry to gospel and religion, if you needed to, um, is there a pull? Is there something in your head that says, look, why can't I do both? Where do you sit on that fence? Do you, do you have even a want? Because Yolanda Adams said to me, interestingly enough, she said, everybody thinks that You want to go secular. Some of us don't want it. It's not a dream of ours. So where are you on that?
1: I love that question. And I thought a lot about it. And you asked me earlier my influences, and you heard me say a lot of them were were what we would deem secular. Mm -hmm. You know, those labels a lot of times are used to leverage. Uh, Profit, so like we could determine who we're going to sell to and why. Um, And I humbly submit one of the things I've I've been defining myself as is someone that's a product of the Black music tradition. Mm -hmm. The gospel music that I've been exposed to, I see as in conversation with other people in the Black music tradition, your Bill Withers. Your Luther Vandross, Whitney Houston, the list goes on. Aretha Franklin, who, to your point earlier, is one of those people that was able to mm-hmm. to bridge that gap. So I don't know that I have a a secular pull. I don't know. I I don't really have a label that's been pulling me in that direction. But they have not hindered hindered my choices when I want to try to bridge it. For instance, we did a cover of the classic classic to me be real black for me mm-hmm. with lethacy and uh i don't know if you know anything about my label it's it's predominantly ccm to be honest when you look at it so i'm sure they were challenged when i did it but they let me do it mm-hmm. and they they resourced us to do it and that's what i want to continue to do i want to continue to do music that defies label but helps me message my audience carefully expand my audience in ways where this message resonates. Um, Despite the labels, despite the reasons why people have put those labels there.
0: You do have one of those voices that could easily go commercial. Um, And I, I, I just wonder where we sit as not just the record label labeling things, but as consumers you know, we should be able to do what Aretha was able to do masterfully. You know, she can go do rock study and then go kill the Amazing Grace album. And nobody right. thought anything of it. Right. You know, and you can uh, go between the two worlds.
1: Well, the my main thing with that has been being able to do it with integrity and do it in a way that doesn't cause too much, for lack of a better word, disruption. You know, mm-hmm. to me, it's very important that people be able to lean in and trust what I'm saying, especially given the messages I'm trying to deliver. And I don't want to do anything that disrupts that. Sometimes you can't help it, though, as an artist, when you you share all of what's in your heart. Sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't know mm-hmm. that was you, too. You know, it's not that it's not true. It's just that was a part of me that you didn't know. So, um, from your mouth to God's ears as I caught my head a little bit more <laughs> given the compliment you just gave thank you
0: <laughs> before i get to the new project i want to ask you about your inspiration as a writer not a singer but a writer of music give me mm-hmm. a sense of you know what brings the 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 word and the song to you
1: i want to uh, Esteem my listener. I want to encourage my listener. I want to empower my listener to do the same for their neighbor.
0: Do you see your writing and your your um, your songs as something you write, or many uh, that I've talked to over the years said, "I didn't write this; God wrote this." It's a vessel for me, and I don't mean just gospel artists. I've heard many artists said, "No, yes. that song was given to me."
1: I love that you said it. One of my one of my favorite people in music who I just dig not just for his music, just for his presence is Warren Campbell. We just had mm-hmm. this conversation. He founded Mary Mary. That's, you know, he worked with heavy D uh, uh, MC light. He is a, an example of someone that's bridged this gap. I love that. I love that and been successful. And we said the same thing. These songs are revealed. Mm-hmm. They're revealed. and. The onus is to put your heart, put your skill set in a place where you can you can see it and catch it and uh, and prayerfully package it in a way where it helps people.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think some projects, um, if you have any sense of faith in you, you can tell our anointed. I remember Marvin Gaye talking about he and Ronaldo Benson, who co-wrote some of the songs. He said, I didn't write what's going on. Mm. And if you listen to what's going on, you do think maybe there was some divine intervention. That's right. In that it's such a masterpiece. You know, it's hard to think otherwise. Um, Let's let's talk about the new album transitions and um, in in what they sent me, the PR information It says celebration of live music in a, um, a jam session like way. Um, And then it says the theme is of change and how, Consistent and constant change is, and I I believe should be.
1: May our God bless us with grace, mercy, and peace, and may we always.
0: There's a difference to me in a live recording and a church recording. There's a difference in performing live and performing in church for those of us who've gone to particularly black churches and understand the difference I'm talking about. Give me a sense of a why you wanted to do the live piece of it and you know what you want uh, listeners to take away. If anything, you know, I I think sometimes those of us who interview use that question and maybe they're in an answer. Maybe you just want people to take whatever it is for
1: them. Well, this was my my vision. I wanted to capture an exchange and I wanted to have uh, people in the room who could contribute to an exchange. And I think we did that to a man. We had some beautiful musicians and singers the singers in particular, all are skilled enough to have stood in my spot and led it. Um, Dana Saray was a producer helped us pull together uh, the the band members who, again, to a man, again, could contribute in a disciplined way to an exchange. I didn't want a, a large audience in there because I, I wanted to really just kind of focus on um, getting these... Getting the music out, and then see if anything else could percolate beyond what we planned. And um, I believe we touched on it. To your your question about what do you hope people take away, I've kind of learned down through the years that what I hope they take away is kind of immaterial. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. they're gonna
1: they're gonna see take it. Take away in what fact, they take away. Yeah, you you want you want that. You want it to live in the eyes in the hearts and the minds of the people that see it and that's going to make it even more beautiful. That's how you manifest miracle signs and wonders. Yeah. With that said, I do want to talk about transition. And I always get stuck cuz the stuff means so much to me. But one of the things I'm hoping people take away is the fact that we may need to take more time in the way we see one another. Uh because as we change and as our neighbor changes, the you can't make assumptions that they're the same as what you saw even mm-hmm. a second ago, even a minute ago. Add to that the swift transitions of life, you know, to, to pull a phrase from my faith tradition. Things change. And I I think we could stand to have a little more grace, a little more mercy. Um a little more intention around making sure we generate peace when we encounter one another, and so these glasses I have on—they told me they're called transition lenses. <laughs> yeah, and I had to tell you, I had to tell you, Mr. Gordon, I, I had, I was fighting getting these lenses right, and what that meant as I was looking at my phone and realizing I can't really see what I want to see until I got these lenses that depending on my perspective, help me see better and give me a sense of peace, a sense of rest about what I'm looking at. I think we need to allow for the fact that some of our filters, some of the the things we've used to see have to be changed as well so we can encounter one another in the right way. And again, according to my faith tradition, so I can see the God in you. Because if I see the God in you, it may help me deal with you in a in a better way. Help me deal with you in a way that helps us both build for the future that we want to see, that one that is mutually beneficial and devoid of exploitation.
0: I'm I'm gonna uh, in this question um, count myself in this. So 20, 2009, 2009, your debut album drops. You have seen tremendous popularity, a tremendous popularity growth since then. So a little over a decade, uh, you really have grown an audience of faithful fans, which now you can count me as one. Now, admittedly, you, I sir. came late to the party, bro, but I'm here now, right? It's all I'm good. Here now. <laughs>
1: yeah. We still um, have
0: room. Give me a sense of how you're dealing with that. I mean, that can be heady stuff, you know. Um I know you see it as a blessing. I know that's what those of us who create want. But what what's it been for you personally? It's got to be gratifying.
1: It is gratifying. Um, I think it comes with more responsibility too. You know, you you're, you're in places, and people don't always tell you they know you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and they know who you are, and they know what you represent. And so, you have to you have to really be aware of that. You know, um, not that you're two-faced or you're doing something different, but your actions bear more consequence, good and bad. And yes. So you have there's to, a responsibility to really dis- that comes with it. Yes, yeah, sir. You have to really discipline yourself in that regard. And um, but it's, I will say this though, I really think fame is overrated. That's overrated. I would. I will pray to be fruitful, and I will pray that you can be fruitful and have the resources to keep being fruitful. And sometimes we are sold that fame is the way to do that. Mm -hmm. And I believe, to quote, I believe Thomas Dorsey wrote this song, Nothing Between, that that can be a delusive dream where you're just striving for fame, thinking that that's going to make you fruitful. That's going to continue to give you the resource to, to be fruitful. So that's, that's one caution I will give to people along the way. One caution I give myself even. Mm-hmm. What would you say about it though? I would, cause I was consider you much more prominent than me.
0: Well, I don't know about that, but I would, <laughs> I would say this, man. I think there is a certain responsibility that, um, the higher up the ladder you go, um, that you need to understand that that responsibility climbs as you climb. yes. And yes. I think that has been lost along the way, quite frankly. You know, I see some who've been given a platform, been given service, been given, and I think that they either don't care or don't understand that there uh, needs to be internal growth as you climb that ladder. Not just your talent, not just your numbers on IG, but you have to grow along with that. And so I think that is um, the real rub in fame.
1: Yeah. Can I uh humbly petition you then? So I don't know your faith with your tradition, but I do believe in the power of intention and the word and thought towards a person, especially when that is coming from someone that's been there and done that and seen it. I would ask you to, to call my name to heaven in that regard, Mr. Gordon. If you think about me, to help me to uh, to grow with it, I'll put it like that. Will you do that?
0: Absolutely, brother. I've been doing that ever since I've been introduced to you. You didn't even have to ask, man.
1: I received it. You Thank didn't you. even
0: have to ask. Let me ask you this in closing, and it kind of speaks to where we were in this anyway. With all that I see around us, and I'm not a, a doomsayer. I'm not. But I also know that we have to be realistic about what surrounds us. Yes, sir. I don't, I don't like what I see. I'm not talking about just in Black America. I'm talking about the world. But most specifically, I'm talking about Black America because that's what I love. Right? That's where I live. That's where my family is. That's where, And so I'm wondering how you see your gift. Of song and your abilities, how would you like that to impact
1: us? Oh my goodness, I love the question. So there's a story in my faith tradition about uh, Jesus feeding 5,000. And it starts with a little boy and his lunch two fish and five loaves of bread. Mm-hmm. And it was just his lunch. He wasn't coming out there like, hey, we're gonna get this in Jesus' hands. We're gonna feed everybody. Mm-hmm. But someone came and got it. He was willing to give it away or forced to give it away. And, you know, he was a kid. They could tell him whatever. But it turned into a miracle that you and I are talking about today. That's what I'm hoping is happening with my music. I'm praying that it is put in the hands of our creator in a way That feeds people in a way that manifests signs, the miraculous, the wonderful, and leads us and nourishes us towards great and marvelous things, not just for ourselves, but for our neighbor. That's what I pray is happening with the music.
0: Well, I will say that, um, and this does not involve me, I will say, as I said, even before I knew your music, I spoke of you with others who knew your music. And I will tell you what uh, Cece and I talked about when she was on, um, and that is that I will tell you that I have heard those uh, speak the idea that your music uh, brought them joy, or got them through a hard time, or you know, answered a prayer, or whatever they were looking for in a darker time, uh, or even just brought joy in a good time. So I yes, think sir. that what you are seeking in that you are on that road. So you just keep doing what you do. Uh, And as we are now, I would hope at least acquaintances, if not getting to the road to friendship, please, though I appreciate the reverence, call me Ed. (laughs) You know, you used to call me Ed, you know, Mr. Gordon, bruh. You know, uh, please feel free to call me Ed. And uh, I will say that uh, as a a newfound fan, bruh, uh, I already pulled it up. Look, you made some sales the, the, in the last two weeks. I've been buying the stuff on Apple, the, and I would encourage uh, those uh, who are listening uh, to go get the the new piece. It is on the way, man, and uh, it it's something that, uh, as I said, uh, in times of joy and sadness, you know, we need those who 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 bring not only the word but just the uh, you know joy within their music. So, transitions is on the way. Uh, a couple of the songs are available now, and we're going to encourage everybody and push them that way, man. It's 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 wonderful to meet you virtually, and I hope very soon that we'll do this face-to-face.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you so much for making room for me this morning. It's an honor to meet, talk to you, and blessings uh, in favor to you, man. I hope it overwhelms you, make you crying in public. <laughs> <laughs> Another
0: big thanks to Brian Courtney Wilson. His new album, Transitions, drops October 28th, but you can stream a couple of the songs from the album and pre-order it right now. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme, Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at EdL Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media.